Before we get into the show and introduce today's guest, I would just like to thank United Medical Credit for being sponsors of this podcast and of the Business of Dentistry. As a matter of fact, they have a special offer for Business of Dentistry members, 0% merchant fees for the rest of the year, and 30% discount for life after that. You can get that special deal by either going to DocOffInvestments.com and clicking on the deal section, or by going directly to www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD. Thanks again, UMC. Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffpower coming to you from my home studio here in Alvin, Texas once again for the Dear Doc Podcast. Now today's guest is a very special one. Uh, Before I actually began the business of dentistry, Dr. Howard Ferran had me on his podcast and um, it was just a really, really cool thing. I reached out to Howard recently and uh, he agreed to be on our podcast here and just kind of shoot the shit with us a little bit. Now, Howard, you don't have to worry about censors or anything like that. Our, our, our podcast permanently has a little label that says explicit next to it, so we don't have to worry about getting demonetized or mommy's getting upset because your kids listen to it. So how the hell have you been, <laughs> my friend? Oh, my God. These are just the best of times. By the way, i got to have a shout-out to my granddaughter, Raya, who uh, when I left, she wanted me to take, uh, I think it's Elsa from Frozen. Um, I think it is. Uh, so I will so I won't be lonely at work today. So uh, thank you, Raya. Grandpa's loving it. And uh, sorry that uh, I couldn't get the fingernail, but she painted my fingernails yesterday too, but I washed it off eight of the fingers, but it's still, I still got Elsa paint on two of them. You know, those those are the best memories that we can make with our kids and our grandchildren. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we talked about whenever I was on your podcast is not losing focus on the reason that we do what we do. And my big why is my family and, you know, making a, a difference in the world. Um, as you, you may or may not remember, I almost died from a dental infection. That's why I, I changed my entire life, went back to school and became a dentist. And now, you know, yeah, things are, things are amazing. And my world is different than I ever would have imagined as a child or even as a young adult. And, um, you know, a lot of that is because of that, that, that one thing that happened to me. But you, you are a giant in the field of dental social media, Howard. You were the first out there with Dental Town, And um, talk to us a little bit about the journey. I, I know you've kind of pulled back from that project a good bit at this point, And you were just telling me you've retired from your podcast, which I, I was surprised to hear. Um, Dr. Travels Campbell will be very upset by that. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. I was speaking to him this morning. He says, you tell Howard I want to talk to him again. I'll, I'll have to tell him he'll have to be disappointed. He has to be one of the last on the podcast, I, I, I guess. Well, well, first of all, I got to tell you that uh, I'm going to invite myself. My Four of my seven grandchildren live in Beeville, Texas, and I'm going to go down there. Uh, I got two weeks, October 15th for two weeks. So you, you I'm going to drive like up the there. co-host? I, I, I do. I want to drive up. I, I want to drive up there. How far are you from Beville? Um, oh, goodness. I, I don't know exactly from Beville. We're 32 miles dead south of Houston, though. So if you can and they're, of, like, they're, like, uh, they're, they're like an hour south of Houston. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, um, but anyway um, yeah, family first, business second. 
um, to me, the pandemic was a really big spiritual awakening for me because um, I started lecturing in 1990, August 4, Sheridan, Manhattan, the law of unintended consequences. Did, did my sound go funny? It was it was it was me being a spaz over here. I bumped oh. something. Oh, and um, I um, when the um, w- when the pandemic was over, and I I uh, for for me selfishly when I got my two vaccination shots in January and February when I was when I got my first vaccination shot. I mean, I I'd been hiding from the coronavirus like you or like you know people you know wearing the mask trying trying not to get everyone infected, you know, and all that stuff. And when I got that vaccine, I, I, I felt like, my God, the, the world's open again. I can go right. back out there and do all that stuff. And I realized my dad died at 61. Both of my grandpas died at 61. My brother, Paul, doesn't like this data. So he went on uh, Ancestry.com and went back eight generations, you know, two turns into four to eight <laughs> to 16 to 32, 64. And he said, Howie, the average one, the average R line, the average male is to be 64. And I thought, shit, I'm 59 this month. Right. And what the, why the hell on my last five years am I going to do another thousand podcasts? I got grandkids and I couldn't see them for a long time. And and it was really embarrassing because my four boys, um, you know, they think it's all just insanity. It's the flu. It's, uh, you know, just, you know, they couldn't. And, and my mom and my sisters. And and I think um, um, there, was, there was only three people in my family that took this serious and got the vaccine and did social distancing, the mask and all that kind of stuff. And um, when, I, when I got done, I said, um, for, forget this. Man. I'm going to spend the last five years annoying my grandchildren. And uh, it's just been a blast. And and, and plus, I'm. Um, um, you know, uh, I can uh, still be on your podcast. Like I, Absolutely. I don't have to do my own. I, I, I can go on your show. So if you ever, you ever need me or whatever, um, glad to well, be I on. May, but I may hold you to that uh, that invitation. I'd love to have you down here. You know, it's funny you're you're talking about um, coronavirus or COVID nineteen. I actually got it before it was cool. Uh, so in uh, <laughs> January, on my birthday, no less, uh, January two thousand and twenty, I actually had it. And I got it again in November of 2021. Social distancing, wearing a mask, all this kind of stuff. My wife brought it home from a jujitsu tournament. And um, they all got sick. I social distanced from them for two weeks. Lived in the camper out back. And um, the day that I came back, I must they must have still had enough in the air. I got it. And three days later, I was sick. So... It's and, and you know it's funny because I still had antibodies from the first infection when I got the second infection because while they were sick I said I, I'm going to go get tested for antibodies and just see you know if if it's safe for me and so I had the antibodies and you know there was much rejoicing but I caught it anyway the second time was not nearly as bad the first time I just wanted to die the second time was just a high fever for one day and you know proof that antibodies work like you know science tells us they should but um. It's uh, it's been a wild ride over these last couple of years. And, you know, it, it's I think that everyone deals with it in their own way. I mean, outside of our practices, even just as 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 personal human beings our our rituals, our our things that we just did every day, they've been so derailed and so changed. But I think in a lot of ways, like you were saying, it truly made a lot of people reassess and take a step back and say, you know, what am I doing and why? Now, it's it's interesting. I, I don't know if you're still practicing or not. Um, 
are you still you still doing wet, wet hand dentistry there? Well, I, what I've been for the last decade is the uh, a solid on the bench, right? I mean, uh, one of my one of my doctors was uh, rollerblading with his two kids and fell down and busted his shoulder. So absolutely, you, know, so you can coach blows a whistle. I'm right in. And then, and then he did it again two months later. I kept telling him, you need to give those kids up to an adoption agency. He uh, he uh, tripped over something else with him, uh, a hose in the backyard. But um, so I, I'm always that guy. And, you know, I always had a dental office because I thought if I didn't have a dental office, now I got to put an operatory in my home and an air compressor and learn how the autoclave works. Um, but I, I got to say something real quick about your um, wife in jujitsu. You know, um, I'm my boys are third generation wrestlers, so I, I never had an indoor garage because it was always right. a wrestling mat and my boys did it from you know starting at five year round full time just like my mom's brother uh, uncle chick who taught me and um i can remember when my boys when i was in it there were no girls and um you know we did jujitsu pakawa boxing wrestling all that stuff and then when my boys were in it they the, the their coach he had two daughters who wanted to do it and they would just wrestle each other, but he wouldn't mm -hmm. let them wrestle with the boys and all stuff. And it's so, and I grew up with five sisters and I, I lived through the sexes. I mean, I could go swim in the Arkansas river Absolutely. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but my sisters couldn't get 10 feet from the edge. Um, I had blue jeans on with patches ironed to the knees. My sisters were in dresses and if they got uh, soiled, they were grounded and in trouble. And now it's so cool to see uh, Nunez do a, a one punch knockout the other day and i'm really loving the fact that you know when we were little you know dentistry was mostly a male profession and now the school's got more women than men and it's so cool to see women take over jujitsu the ufc and dentistry it's well, just it's you know, about it's, time it, it, it's funny uh, and by the way you, you were asking about businesses earlier i actually own the dojo um it is still waters brazilian jiu-jitsu here in town um, so when you when you do come down for the podcast, maybe we can get the kids out there and they can all roll. But um, it's funny. My wife is actually a veterinarian, which um, that field has almost entirely been taken over by you know females. Uh, it, it's you're hard pressed to find a male graduating from vet school these days. So yeah, what you say is is not untrue. And, it, and I'm also seeing a whole lot more guys in the in the stay at home mom role or stay at home parent role. You know, and it's you, you just reminded me of the, you, you just reminded me of the single largest nightmare Dental Town magazine ever had. We had a male dentist like you mm -hmm. who was married to a female veterinarian in Missouri, and they had me come in and lecture because they had a, uh, a deer hunting deal. So, um, you know, you go there and it was all archery in the blinds. And then um, when the morning hunt was over, I lectured for four hours to make it a, a tax expense. And we went out again that night. We did it for three days. Somebody and, got upset uh, that oh my God. Oh, goodness. Oh, my. You remember Rich Matto, the, the Matto's report? Mm -hmm. Big, big, one of the biggest newsletters out there. I think he had like 13,000. Right. We had, we had a thousand letters and, and they were all saying things like how could she be a veterinarian and kill a deer and of course i'm rational thinking well i'm sorry have you ever eaten a hamburger at mcdonald's didn't some Absolutely. cow have to die but i learned you just you just don't even my, my my oldest boy eric his number one sport is elk hunting and his number two is deer hunting and i tell him just right. okay just don't say anything there's, there's <laughs> some conversations harold and even with patients you know and, and as as you become more seasoned as a practitioner i think you begin to spot the crazy a lot faster <laughs> there's there's some patients that you don't even talk to you just back away slowly 
know? Yeah. But I guess deer hunting is worse than uh, um, shooting the last living penguin. I mean, it, it was just amazing how many dentists with eight years of college were just, they just thought that was the worst thing in the world. Well, it, it takes all types in this world, my friend. It takes all types. So talk to me a little bit about dental talent. It's history, where it is now. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for you to, um, for you to take my invitation to join the business of dentistry, by the way. And what, what do you mean by that? Take your invitation to join oh, the I, business. I invited, I invited you to uh, the business of dentistry. Business of dentistry is my uh, Facebook page. It's actually the largest social media page in the world that's dentist only. Uh, we've got 22,000 members and uh, I keep sending you invites, but you never join. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, you know, you only manage people, time and money. That was the, the name of my Absolutely. last book on complicated business and the pandemic hit. And it was, um, you know, I was in Beeville, Texas. You know, I'm there every Christmas to New Year's right. with uh, four. My, my oldest boy's got four kids in Beeville and then the next one. Um, but anyway, um, then the, second one's not married yet and the third one's um got um one and the fourth one's got two and um um but anyway um i was sitting there in beeville texas out there on the porch and uh and i kept hearing this stuff but it was it was christmas and america just shuts down uh you know between christmas and new year's it's just yeah. the birthday christmas i mean it's, it's just the biggest deal too, and too I, much, and I was too much really to fam. everyone's still asleep right yeah, and, and I'm I'm sitting here listening to this, and I'm thinking, you know, th th this this might be something, you know that that was where my mind was between Christmas and New Year's, like what, what what's going on, and then by January it's like this might be really onto something, and then of course by March, uh, the world health were, but anyway, Absolutely. long story short, it was February. I know enough about time management. I said, okay, if this is going to be a big deal, I got to have, I got to take something off the menu. It's not going to be the family. It's not going to be the mm -hmm. grandkids. And so I deleted my Facebook app. Um, I think it was like February 10th or 12th or mm -hmm. something and um, never been back. And by the way, um, you know, you only got so much time. So oh, no, I deleted absolutely. that. Yeah, and um, so it's funny, actually, um, my wife and I got into a horrible, horrible car accident. We were, um, head-on collision, drug, drunk, drug addict, and his girlfriend. Um, and you were actually actually the first person to reach out to me and say, hey, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I always wanted to tell you, at the time, things were so hectic, I, I don't think I even ever got back to you. But uh, that meant a lot. It uh, just it spoke to the character of the person you are. Ah, oh, thanks, man. You know, and, and I want to say one thing on that. Um, another... Um, I always ran my posts on dental town or social media. It's just a one-stop pay one-stop shop for dentistry. So anything dentistry is in the news. If it's a joke, if it just any, anything dentistry, I throw it all on one page. Just that one guy, a lot of my friends, remember I'm older. I, I turned 59 next week. A lot of my, a lot of my dentist friends, they, they only do Twitter. Um, right. if they're big time in dentistry, but they're not a dentist, they're all on LinkedIn. Um, the Facebook tends to be, I don't know, maybe the 30 to 50 and the Instagram seems to be yep. the 30 and under. I think, the I think TikTok, you're absolutely right. It, it, it has the, the definitely TikTok. segregated itself yeah. by generation. Your zennials, millennials, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Gen Xers. But, but I, I want to, but I want to say one thing about the way I post, um, 
um, you know, Dennis, I always get complaints. If it's if dentistry's ever in a bad light, say some dentist gets arrested, he does something bad or whatever, they always um they always email me and say, Why are you tarnishing dentistry? Why are you doing that? It's like, dude, I, I didn't write anything. It's in USA today. I just I mean, report the facts, so, people. That is an interesting point, Helen. Have you found over time that when people engage on your page that they're looking for an echo chamber rather than expansion of themselves. You, you spoke earlier about one of the keys to success being the ability to expand yourself. And, and, and you know, I think what you're getting at is, is self-assessment and being um, introspective. So do you think that we have a problem in dentistry being introspective, that we, we, we just want to hear an echo chamber of the same thoughts? You know, amalgam's good, amalgam's bad, you know, hey, that should be a crown, or hey, your crown margins suck. Is there something wrong with us? Uh, Dennis, I, I, I do, but I, I just I just want to finish this one point in the fact that um, when I post that, I always um, would email the dentist too and, and say, hey, I just saw you're in a car wreck, right. you know. Um, Saturday, um, Saturday I posted something. I got a – anyway, I won't look it up. But anyway, it was a uh, Missouri dentist, and some guy immediately – um, emailed me and said, you know, that is so damn rude. You went to UMKC. He went to UMKC. Why would you smear and tarnish his name and all that stuff? And it's like, dude, I just got off the phone with him for an hour and we already talked about this. And some of those dentists that I put in the news, I'd send them an email and they'd reply back and, you know, they would need help. And, and I, have a big Rolodex and I would try to help. But if it's already in the New York Times, USA Today, and the Huffington Post, right. you know, and I didn't write it, but but I did. I always reach out to them and um, and it, it's made some really interesting frameworks because, uh, um, you know, it's just, um, you know, um, no one remembers when you go to their birthday party or the New Year's Eve party, but they remember you if you were there when they when they tripped and fell down. And, You're um, absolutely right. So on. Um, Speaking of which, you do need so, to tell um, your associate to be much more careful. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh so do you think that dentists have a problem with wanting to be in an echo chamber that they only want to surround themselves with people who think like they do because it seems to me that over the years dentistry has become much more fractioned you've got like your biological dentist then you've got your dentist who think amalgam is the god's gift to every single thing then you've got your dentist who I uh, think that CAD CAM is the only thing that should be done. There's so many different fraternities, if you will, within dentistry, and, and they seem so hostile toward each other. Where where did this problem come from? Is it the selection process at dental school? Do we just select for that type of personality? Do you think it's something about the job? Do you think it's because of the fact that patients, evidently, we're the only profession that it's okay to walk up to someone and say, hey, I hate you, you know? By the way, stick me in the face with a needle. Where, where do you think that issue comes from? Is it a combination of things? Well, yeah, with, with, exactly. With, with humans, it's multivariate. Like, like one of the hardest questions I've ever had to answer is, you know, lecturing a thousand times in 50 countries. I've sat next to a lot of strangers on airplanes for a lot of times, and I'd always say, um, how would you describe a dentist? Because I can't. I mean, it's such a distribution. Half women, half men, millennials, different ages. But but you said so many profound things. I hope I can respond to some of them. Um, number one, on the selection process, um, I wish they would just close down USA Today. I mean, U.S. News and World Report, college ranking system. Like when I go to uh, small towns in Arizona, I was in Bullhead City, and there was a 
um, a, a company there and I was talking to the, the owner um, out there getting gas. And he's, I said, well, what, what's your biggest limit to growth? He goes, I can't get any mechanical engineers. He says, I could hire four right now. And I said, well, what's the problem? He goes, well, you know, ASU, they want to make the U.S. News and World Report. So they, they get the people with the highest ACT and SAT and got straight A's and this, that. And, yep. and all my boys from Bullhead City that apply, they don't get accepted. And I sat there and thought, well, this is a state-run university. Uh, same thing with dental school. I listened to dental school idiot deans whining forever until Jack Dillenberg came on because they'd always say, well, no one goes back to the rural. Well, you only accept if you got a 4.0 in algebra, calculus, and trig, and right. you think Sir Isaac Newton and Copernicus are uh, you know, the, the coolest people on earth. And the bottom line is, if, um, I, I think general, I think all the dental schools should only accept people from towns of 5,000 or less for a decade until the rural people get some dentists. Because you're not going to you know, go that was, from Beverly that was Hills to that Eloy. That would certainly uh, change the landscape at the very least. But um, I, I think that you may have some um, some other problems just not accepting from the inner city. And, and, and Jack Gillenberg did that. He says, why Arizona, 25% of the land is Indian Reservation. And it's all a bunch of white dentists up there that don't speak Navajo going up there. He goes, he goes, why aren't there no, no Navajo dentists? And it's like, well, they had a 3.4 grade point average and you needed a 3.5. And Jack Dillenberg walked into that new dental school and he says, any American Indian born on a reservation in Arizona is automatically accepted. And now when you go up to Tuba City, you see that little Navajo kid talking to a Navajo dentist and they're speaking. And you know, that connection is a thousand times more powerful than some Irish guy like me up there. And, and uh, so, um, and, and we saw that same thing with the inner city school. I remember they, um, they had this outreach program where UMKC grads were supposed to go all these schools in our neighborhood. And I, I told the guy, I said, well, it, it's, it's 90% African-American five miles around we got three africans american those kids shouldn't be seeing howie they should be seeing someone just like them a boy and a girl i said they should go to all of them and uh they, they were laughing at me saying well thanks you know what are you going to sign me up for 30 schools and i said yeah you need to go out there i said i'm a dentist because my next door neighbor kenny anderson was a dentist and and i would go to sonic drive-in and make hamburgers and hot dogs with the number one love of my life my father um and uh, my gosh he was everything but we made hamburgers and then i go to work with kenny anderson and he would take an x-ray through a tooth and and you would go in a dark room with like the hottest dental assistant you've ever seen in your life and then and then numb it and i i would just love it for a side I, I when i saw that i never backed down for a minute but he was my neighbor and I don't know if I would have done that if the only dentist I met was Chinese and spoke Mandarin and, and I never knew him or went to his office. And, and it, it all comes down to the human relationship and, uh, you know, I, with your family, with your friends, you know. I, I can't say that I disagree there at, at, at all. Uh, question for you. I want you to just put on your prognosticator's hat here and um, tell me what do you think the future of dentistry looks like in 10 15, 20 years. And I I want to hear the realistic version and then I want to hear Howie's version. Like if you could change the way things are, what would it end up being? What what would you like to see it become, I should say, versus where do you think it's realistically heading? 
Well, you know, you mentioned amalgam earlier and, you know, you got to look at markets and most markets are highly differentiated. Like, like a lot of people think it's a conspiracy that like eight companies like Nestle, you know, um, control 80% of everything you buy at Walmart. Well, uh, Kroger, Walmart, the grocery store, you know, most of that stuff's come from like eight companies. But that's really what you would expect in economics. What you wouldn't expect is a monopoly. Um, and, you know, half the world lives under an authoritarian government and all the other primates live in authority. Gorillas, chimpanzees, and orangutans don't have democracies. It's like I'm the 400-pound gorilla and we're not crossing, we're not coming down and crossing, you know. Um, so the other half is this um, uh, democracy thing or whatever with people. And dentistry is a really wide market. And you have, you know, 325 million Americans, you've got 8 billion people on the planet. And when Americans and Europeans and Australians bash amalgam, I've been to African Asia. I've seen African dentists showing off that they can do a composite and they're sitting there on a lawn chair with a five-gallon pickle bucket and they put on the acid etch and then they rinse and the patient rinses and spits and then they put on the bonding agent he cures and the patient rinses and spits. And you're, you're just looking at a complete nightmare and you know if that would have been an amalgam, it probably would have lasted 38 years, you know. And um, so um, – I, I think the future of dentistry is going to be a broad spectrum. Half of America um, runs out of month before they run out of money. I mean, they run out of money before they run out of month. I, I and actually, their doc, and yeah. their, I was going to say, I, I think and, please go away. And, and, and if their insurance says, hey, Chris, um, this only works if you drive to the other side of town and go to this one Medicaid, Medicare dentist, and, and those people need a dentist, just like the Kardashians need Dorfman to do veneers and all that stuff. Everybody needs a dentist. I don't care if they're a criminal, a saint, a good boy or a bad boy. They all need a dentist, and we're not the judge, the jury. They're not their pastor. You know, They come in there with a broken tooth, and I think it's sad that dentistry – I can't do a low cost because the reason dentists don't take Medicaid and now Medicare, it looks like they're going to push that through and Medicare is going to be covered by dentistry. And what's sad is dentists can't do Medicare because if I give them $30,000, they'll build me a, a Ford Taurus. But if you give them 15000 they won't build a Ford Escort with an amalgam. They'll still try to give you the MOD composite with Ivoclarin bonding agent and place a rubber dam. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm look at Mexican restaurants. Just last week, one of my kids wanted to go to, uh, grandkids wanted to go to Taco Bell. And later that week, one of them wanted to go to Macayo, sit down at a Mexican restaurant. And one time, um, the bill was like $5. And the same grandchild, the same restaurant the next time, was $32. I mean, so you can pay 5 to $30 for two tacos. So there's going to be market differentiation. There's going to be, you know, look at a home. I could live in a mansion, four-bedroom, three-bedroom. I could live in a van down by the river. So, but, but what concerns me the very most and um, more than anything is that um, I know when any of my grandchildren have their first baby, I'll be gone, right? And the circle of life, you know, I'm just like, uh, please don't get old and get married and have a baby because I know you I'll could, be gone. You could freeze and, yourself like Walt Disney. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the um, founder of Open Dental, he, he's, he's totally into that. In fact, he, he kind of let his brother run Open Dental because he's really into that cryogenic stuff and, and uh, the liquid nitrogen and all that kind of stuff. I'd really, you, you should do a podcast with him on open dental and liquid nitrogen. Absolutely. But, but, um, 
but but the, the the bottom line is what I'm concerned about is this: if my grandchildren, uh, if I'm dead, and they break a tooth and they go to the dentist, but the dental office is owned by um, back in the day, uh, Cigna used to own dental offices out here, and they end up shutting them down. Kaiser Permanente owns like nine dental offices in uh, Oregon. I mean, if they go to a say, um, if they go to a dentist who works for an insurance company. Well then, who's their dentist? And then they go to another dentist, and it's and it's publicly traded on you know some DSO, and they say, well, don't do an amalgam or a composite; we'll lose money. Try to do an inlay or, or a crown opportunity, and you got some office manager that's not a dentist or a hygienist talking about crown opportunities. I mean, I want my granddaughter to go to a dentist, and I want my dentist to follow. Every religion that ever known a man, uh, my two older sisters are nuns, and they say, if you read Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucian, Islam, treat other people like you want to be treated is pretty much the entire message of every good book. And and I want that dentist to look at my little Taylor Marie or Raya Rue and, and say, you need this. And, and if they're listening to an insurance agent or some Wall Street guy, that's fine, but where's the dentist and and i really think that i've drawn a line in the sand i mean i mean all the great companies like hewlett packard um um hewlett and packard were both electrical engineers and they changed the world with intel um all the great companies um bill gates could program i mean all the great companies i the line in the sand for me is only a dentist can own a dental office and those are all not those were all found their way into state laws i know a lot of dso's try to get around and all that stuff but it's found in many other countries but you got you got a um dentistry is 200 years old starting in paris with pierre fichard denal um there's two million dentists on the earth about a million of them practice like you and me and a million of them are what i call bush dentistry and um the bottom line is um it's a sacred sovereign profession and look, look what happened to boeing boeing um they made all their airplanes in uh, seattle they made their fuselages in wichita kansas um, but the management for business purposes moved their headquarters to chicago and my god it wasn't even i mean look it up it wasn't even five years and they're having planes fall out of the sky and then you go to honda and read his autobiography where um everything was made in one facility all the parts so you might be going to lunch chris and i'm sitting there saying I don't know who the hell designed those windshield wipers, but man, those things are upside down. And Chris is like, oh, that was me. What are you talking about? Right. And, and, you know, it's all right there. In fact, when the line shut down, a uh, fire deal went off. And the, the most classic story is it went off one time in the middle of the night. And Mr. Honda obviously slept in his birthday suit. And he jumped out of bed, ran down the line, and worked the line naked at like 70 years old till they got it back. And then solved the problem of why this happened. And everybody's like, that, oh, sir, that sir, is a you fantastic. Don't, you don't have any clothes on. That, that is a fantastic that, story. Well, you mentioned yeah. Walt Disney. He lived above the fire station. My favorite bank, Chase Bank, Jamie Diamond. I've had lunch with him three times because um, he lived in it, when, when he got a job at Chase. He said, okay, but I need two suites because the other one's going to be my bedroom. He didn't have a car till he was like 40. And when he comes down here, he sends one ticket to each one of the branch. And of course, my branch knows, you know, I'd, I'd marry the guy tomorrow if he asked me and run off of them. And um, she said, Howard, I know you love Jamie. Uh, do you want to have lunch with them? I'm like jumping up and down. And and he's sitting there and he's looking at me saying, okay, you're a dentist. Okay. What do you like the most about Chase? 
what do you not like about Chase? What would you change mm-hmm. tomorrow? And 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 he's just taking notes. And 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 dentistry, a dental office needs to be owned by a dentist thinking like that. Like, what do my patients need? And if your patients don't have any money, why are you at the Pinky Institute learning full mouth rehab or LVI or Ross Nash? I mean, they, they're telling you we have no money. They only have Medicaid, now maybe Medicare, and they're only going to give you one coin for this filling, and you could do it with an amalgam in the last 38 years. But, oh, no, not my dentist. They're going to have to still go back to composites and Empress and, and CAD CAM. And then one other thing before you said, like CAD CAM, there is a lot of data to these decisions. Like when, when the long – after World War II, when the longshoremen started dental insurance because the president had frozen wages and, and that turned into Delta and all that kind of stuff, the minute it was the Howard, that was what, 1972 or 74? 1948. 1948, right after World for, War II. The president, Delta. When, when did Delta well, well, take well, over? Well, um, World War II was over in 45, but the, the, the government didn't change the deal that wages were frozen so all the factories were blown up in europe and asia and the if you want to buy a washing machine or a car the only factories that weren't bombed were in america so you had the greatest transfer of wealth from the rest of the world to the united states in fact it was twice as great of wealth as transferred to the middle east when they found all that oil so you know um and nothing could come in or out of this country without going through the the longshoremen's uh, union and they couldn't get higher wages so they said then 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 pay for our dental and um and then when that came and then that turned in it was in like oregon Washington, California, and then that turned into Delta Dental, Washington, Delta Dental, California. But they covered x-rays at 100%. So dentistry well, they, in America went from covered, three guys having x-rays. everything at 100%. It was, it was, it was a completely different but, but thing that, it is now. But they never bought an x-ray machine until it was covered at 100%. Then like dominoes, everybody bought an x-ray machine. And so you have these penetrations, like how long did it take from the telegraph, the telephone, the internet to reach, you know, two thirds of the homes. And um, um, right now, um, I think that um, um, CAD cam, it, it never hit 12% of dentists. So we all got the same digital phone. We all got an iPhone, which by the way, is my number one stock just because it's a dividend stock, right? You can buy Apple stock and, and, and get a dividend of 4%, just like you can buy Johnson Johnson, um, uh, Pepsi, Coca-Cola. I only buy dividend stocks, but the, and, and as soon as your dividend reaches your allowance, you're retired. Um, but anyway, um, so I would I would just say that um you know there is math when you say CAD CAM um, is the greatest technology in the world I just say well eighty eight percent of the dentists have the same amount of years of college as you they still mm-hmm. know math physics chemistry and geometry why did the other eighty eight percent not buy it but they bought a, a dextrin machine they bought a digital practice management system you know they buy all these things um, but again the major problem in dentistry is still no concept of market segmentation. Everybody's trying to make the same $60,000 car to sell in the suburbs where the median household income is $60,000 a year or greater. Everybody's chasing the same guy. And only- Hold on, let's let's take a step back. Okay, so there there have been multiple polls that talk about what people um, use for their their buying decisions or use for their decision-making processes. And I, I think you and I can, can agree pretty readily here that it almost always comes down to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, 
Um, you run away from fear and pain and you run toward reward. Basic, basic, basic sales, which I think in any dentist who can't admit to the fact that they are in a world where they have a service that they're exchanging money for and that that's called selling. Anyone who can't admit that has a problem, but that doesn't mean you need to be a salesman. You know, most recent Gallup poll shows that dentists are number five in all professions for honesty and integrity. We're, we lost out to pharmacists for some reason, but the, lot, the bottom five, one is marketing and media, two is car sales, three is insurance sales, then there's congressmen and there's senators, the five least trusted people on the face of the earth, professions on the face of the earth. So we obviously aren't seen as salesmen by our patients, which is great because no one wants to be a salesman. But if you want to be good at something and you want to be able to excel at it, you have to call it what it really is. I mean, you don't make chicken salad out of chicken shit, then it'd be a chicken shit sandwich, right? So I think we can agree that words are important and names for things are important. So a lot of dentists have a problem with the word sales, okay? So I'm going to use that word right now very intentionally because everything that I do is intentional. Howard, I want you to lay out a plan because you, you, you're a brilliant guy. You know, you and I have spoken before about business practices in dentistry and what makes... <laughs> I, I, think, I think that I can sum it up by saying most dentists up until this point have simply not gone out of business because they make enough money that they can be crappy business owners and that they, they haven't had to be a better business owner. At this point, though, because of the market squeeze that's, that's occurring with wages going up and costs going up, I mean, our COGS are through the roof right now. Then you've got reimbursements decreasing. So people who are in PPO situation are needing to become better business owners or they are going to go out of business. So I want a plan from Dr. Howard Ferran that says this is how you treat a Medicaid population and do amalgams for this population that desperately needs it. Because that's a huge market segment. I mean, we're looking at like, what, a 50-something percent segment of people who either don't have insurance or they're on Medicaid, Medicare. So you treat those people, it's obviously an untapped area. How do you put that plan together so that they can be successful treating those populations in the way that we were just talking about? Because I think that could be more value than almost anything you have you have done for dentistry up to this point. Now, I, I think you've done a hell of a lot, but if you can articulate that plan so that people can successfully treat those populations, and, you know, let's not forget the $500,000 worth of student debt they have too. So let's, let's talk about that. How do we do that, Howard? Well, <coughs> first of all, um, you're not going to like the answer. I mean, I always tell Dennis, you can't handle the tooth. Uh, you can't handle the truth. Remember that Jack Nicholson movie? You can't Absolutely. handle the truth. Um, dentists, um, when I tell Dennis the exact answer, it's so funny how um, all their political beliefs and everything uh, can't handle the, the truth. And that is the fact that you got to remember. Um, okay, so I told you I'm, I was born in 60. How old were you in 1980 when interest rates were 20 and a half percent? Did you was, remember that? I was, born in, I was born in 74. Yes, I do remember it. Okay, so you're born in 74. When I was a little kid in Wichita, Kansas, and on a Saturday, you walked down um, eight blocks to school 
um, to go play on the playground. And back then, you know, they didn't have fences around and, and the gym, the gymnasium wasn't even locked. I could walk eight blocks to my school and walk in the gym and play basketball and lift weights. And, um, when I walked that eight blocks to school on a Saturday to go play in the gym, um, gosh, every single block had the garage door open and someone's trying to fix this crappy Chevy and the dad and the brother and uncles and neighbors. And I mean, everybody was a part-time mechanic because the unions remember when the Bolshevik revolution started in Russia, it spilled over into Europe, the United States. And that was when we shut down um, Ellis Island. And, um, and when they shut down the uh, Ellis Island, uh, that wave of immigrants coming in, people didn't understand macro. And 10 years later, um, what they thought was going to happen and what, end up happened was the the great depression and and the bottom line is um finally they um you know after world war ii we weren't going to import these evil cars from the nazi germans and the imperial japan after pearl harbor and all that stuff and so gm sold 50 percent of all the cars and they didn't have to be a good car because there was no competition there, and absolute power corrupts there's absolutely. an old polish joke it says what is a skilled american worker one who can put the right nut on the right bolt that came from the 80s yeah yeah, and and so finally, you know, um, you know, no athlete is going to train hard unless he has a game next week, and then that's when he's doing everything right. So they finally let these Nazi Germans and Imperial Japanese sell their cars in America, and my God, the quality went through the roof. Well, look at healthcare; that's what government does. We don't have a democracy; we we're hijacked by a two-party olig uh, oligopoly, and and I. I my my freedom i get to pick between a donkey and an elephant are you kidding me that's a, that's a hijack and what did they do they they set up with the with all the doctors it was um read the paul stars pulitzer star winning book the rise of the american healthcare industry that went from one percent gdp in 1900 to 14 percent by 2000 to 17 percent now and and every one of those dentists in Mexico, if they come up here to Guadalupe across the street from my office where there's 5,000 Mexicans and native Indians and, and all kinds of, and they catch them doing dentistry on people who live on dirt floors, the mob comes in and they call the police. Remember your mama told you not to kidnap people. Yeah. The police, they arrest them and kidnap them. They go put them in a cage. They go deport them. So it is only that reason only that Dentists and physicians make a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year, and half the people can't afford dentistry. At nineteen hundred, healthcare costs one percent, and no one, there's nothing in the literature saying, "Well, Grandma's sick and she can't go to the doctor; she can't afford it." It's this rate. So this is what the government it always does: they first break something beyond repairable. And then say, well, look at you guys. You can't do it. You need me to socialize medicine, and I need to sh I, need, I need to take down two out of every three of your dollars, which is theft. If you did that to me in the alley, I'd shoot you. Uh, but AOC sitting up there, uh, you know, talking about sexism while she's wearing a miniskirt and talking about how she's entitled to sixty percent of my income, and she's the one. If they created amnesty right now how many dentists from mexico would come up to arizona and treat mexicans who don't speak english who live in poor and be their dentists and when i go down to tuba yuma arizona you cross into mexico and it's called tuba city 
Oh, interesting. All their patients look just like you and me. And then when that dentist tries to drive into Arizona and set up a dental office, they, they, they arrest them all the time. I was posting, they, you know, some Russian lady was, is in jail right now because she's a Russian dentist. She came to Miami. She went to the poorest area of town and she started doing dentistry out of her apartment. And she wasn't doing it on your wife or my wife or um, rich people. She was doing it on people who have nothing. And she's now arrested and sitting in a cage in jail and that's why doctors make their income and the state board of dental examiners it's the judge the jury the executioner they permanently have ruined health care to where now you're half the country's well, begging you know, barry um something what, the guy's something that's really interesting there oh I, I yeah i know who you're talking about um so something really interesting there is that the state boards have no jurisdiction over people who are practicing dentistry without a license because they only have jurisdiction over dentists. I always found that to be just mind-blowing that you could bring someone to the state board and say, hey, there's someone over here practicing dentistry out of their garage. They're not actually a real dentist um, and they can't do anything. So it, it's, it's an interesting, interesting corollary to your point there. So let's let's back this up and boil it down. And I, I, so your I, I, want, is, I want to go what? what I want to go one more example. Um, some dentist this weekend, he was all crying to me on the phone. I mean, literally, he's crying because born and raised in this town, 5,000, the big employer shut down, and I'm well aware of his politics. I'm well aware, build a wall, that kind of stuff. I have. I said, oh, this factory. Well, well I've been talking to you. I just Googled it. By, by the way, do you know who started that factory? Like, no. I'm like, what the hell? You live in this town? Oh, he was an Armenian, and he immigrated all the way from Armenia, went to your town a century ago, started this factory. I'm just wondering there, buddy, build a wall. Could that Armenian, could he move here today? Oh, hell no. You know, oh, hell no. My ancestors came here from Ireland during a famine 40 years before there was an Ellis Island. And I can, I, I, the, the government is the cause of all the problems. And if you are going to the government for the solution, you, I hope you're blind or can't read or deaf, dumb, and mute because what they do is they always break everything until you beg them to fix it. And, and there would be no need for socialized medicine if the state boards say, well, we, we have a license approval, and if you um, want a licensed dentist, here's our list. And, yeah, that dentist there, Dr. Juan, is not licensed, and, and everybody just bees honest. Like, this is where I went to school. I don't care if it's in India, Pakistan, or Mexico City. I don't care what it is. Just don't lie. If you really didn't go to dental school, don't lie and leave the people alone and and um my gosh um i mean i just just um i'll give you an example my house i just sold um i had this mcmansion as my each one of my boys still had their original room and i had four one ton air it's just a colossal waste of money i sold that but who did i buy that from i bought that from a lady who had to sell it to me because there was a company in America that had a that had a treatment for brain cancer, but the FDA hadn't approved it, and um, she couldn't get on the study. But they were, of course, they're selling it in Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, Hong Kong, China. So she sells out and has to go to Copenhagen, Denmark, to spend the rest of her life because some politician uh, like Bernie Sanders, AOC, Reagan, whatever the hell. Uh, I remember I was sitting at a fundraiser with um, um with um, um, the guy here, the, the legend, uh, um, 
from Arizona, um, who was, uh, um, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank, who was um, McCain. And I sitting there McCain and I was telling him about this story. I was telling him about this exact story. I said, you know, we have all these Indian reservations and you let them do casinos and sell cigarettes out taxes. And there's all these hospitals like Mayo Why don't you have an FDA free zone? Well, they, they, he, well, they'll technically just, though. Just technically, they do. How are you? Or you're you're knowledgeable about this. You're a student of history. The American Indian reservations are countries of their own that are not supposed to have to follow American law at all. So you may have just hit upon the um, you may have just hit upon the the solution there for a you know bringing in you know foreign nationals. You know what what is what is the customs treatment? of the American Indian nations? What is the immigration treatment of the American Indian nations since they're supposed to be sovereign countries within the United States? Would it be possible for your Armenian dentist to travel here and to set up shop and have dental tourism within our own country on Indian reservations and and bring that source of income into the Indian reservations? I mean, I think once Uncle Sam saw the tax money they were missing out on, they'd either invade the Indian reservations or they'd, uh, they'd maybe change their, their regulations. Hey guys, now a quick word about our sponsor. I'm really excited to announce that we've partnered with United Medical Credit to offer an exclusive deal just to TBOD members. Now, United Medical Credit is a patient financing provider with unique waterfall lending process. It allows them to approve a much wider range of applicants. In fact, the widest range of applicants in the entire field. I've been using United Medical Credit in my practice for a couple of years now, and I'm seeing great results. They really speak for themselves. I see at least 30% increase in the number of patients who are actually approved whenever going through UMC. And the best part is patients are accepting treatment. More acceptance, more patients means more revenue. Right now, they're offering TVOD members a special discount of 0% merchant fees until the end of the year. That's right, until the end of 2021, you get 0% merchant fees charged. And they're gonna give you a 30% discount for life after that. Now, if you wanna claim this offer for your practice, go to www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD, or as always, you can go to Dockoff Investments, Click on the deal section, look up UMC, and register. Thanks a lot, guys. And UMC, thanks for sponsoring. It, it, the, the scariest thing for me is how many of the younger generation thinks the government is their savior, and they don't talk to their grandpa say, no, the government ruined everything, and now now you're belling up to the snake to help you. And I, I, just, um, I just wish, when, when you talk about what built this country is 500 years of people voting on their feet coming here and yeah they did horrible things uh they came here and um and ran the indians off their their land they brought african slaves i mean they they built this thing on two mortal sins of what they did the endogenous people indians and slavery but they keep getting better i'll tell Um, you howard you're 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 speaking about that thing as if your own ancestors weren't victimized too i mean the iris and the Chinese were two of the um, ethnic groups that were the most poorly treated, um, other than obviously African-Americans and the Native American Indians. Um, but we are not students of history anymore. And that's very sad. You know, personally, I'm, um, I'm a constitutionalist. Um, I believe in the Constitution as it was written. And um, 
that's pretty much it. I think, in fact, if they had just stopped at and Congress shall make no law and just put a period right there, <laughs> that we'd have solved 90%. Oh, oh, that's mine. My that's gosh. my original there. It would solve 90% yeah. of the issues we have today. But unfortunately, you and I are sitting in this country as it is today currently. And we need to, as leaders in our community, say, okay, look, you know, we can rant and rave and rail against what reality currently is and say, back in my day, or we can say, hey, it used to be, or we can say, here is a way forward. And so I always try to take that tact because frankly it, it's it's a tempest in a teapot otherwise right Fuel, full of uh full of vigor and fury and signifying nothing we we've got to be the source of change and so i want you to very very simply say how in today's society can someone open up a practice now remembering if they're an american graduate and they have five hundred thousand dollars worth of debt that $60,000 after taxes that they have to pay toward their, their debt service, which is $90,000 before taxes at a minimum, right? So how is that dentist today going to open up a practice that does just basic bread and butter and help these populations? Because if there's a way to do that, um, I can see it perhaps with debt forgiveness um, that we may be able to do that. And they try to make that to where you go into less served areas. And so maybe that's a viable option. But just between you and I, let's think about it. How, yeah. how could we make yeah. this a viable solution? What can uh, we do? I'll tell you. For, first of all, um, when they complain about their debt service, I always remind them that that debt service is their economic barrier to entry. No one can practice dentistry unless they go get that. And that's why there's no competition in dentistry. And when people say, what do you mean there's no competition? I, I, dude, 20 to 40% of all restaurants go bankrupt in the first two years. Dentistry, we see about 1% go bankrupt. And it's always because they t had their license taken away for sex, drugs, crimes, you know, something appalling. Um, it, drugs, it's never divorce, and death, competition. Right? The th three things, the yeah. only three things that can ruin a dentist, drugs, divorce, and death. Maybe drugs, divorce, and death. And my, my student loans was $87,000. My divorce was 41 times more at $3.8 million in cash. But here, here's what I would tell the dentist is when you go to a practice manager, like a lot of people think my 30-day dental MBA was a really good thing, you know, as a first in like 1988 and Dental Town and 30-day MBA weren't the first on the internet, um, any of that stuff. Uh, hell, um, um, there was a um, dentist at yahoo.com. Uh, there was um, um, dentist at um, hotmail.com. It was internet letters, you know, like Dave Dodell, internet dental forum, everything. I had the first message board um, where, you know, you could argue archive at all um but um, you had the first back. google search engine you were so proud do you remember whenever you had to pay google <laughs> to make, make that search bar i've been following you for a long time my friend that was um, oh man i'm sorry to hear that <laughs> right <laughs> but but here but here's the deal here's the deal so so um the first practice management gurus do you do you remember quest does that ring a bell quest they were in the, the name does yes yeah, and I think they were. Um, I think they were uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard Scientology. That's why the name uh, sounds familiar. Uh, that, yeah, and, and, like and now hold on. And it, aside from the aside from the religion, management by statistics is freaking brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, his works yeah. are the foundation of a lot of other commonly known management practices. I, I, I've actually had yeah, some of that training myself, and it, it's good training. But yeah, the, yeah, um, yeah. 
the religious yeah. and aspect of things. And there's a reason a Tom Cruise has made more number one movies than anyone alive today. I mean, he's got like 25. He's tapped, in, he's tapped into the aliens. He, he's tapped into methodical <laughs> management. I mean, you know, where well, you, I'm, I just, mean, he, I'm just being yeah, salty. I'm just being salty. But, but what, but what they did is they, they went through and they said, you know, here's the problem guys. Every dentist in the seventies had one operatory. And if they had two, it was because they brought in a hygienist and they were just saying, you know, if you would just add two more chairs, you're going to make a lot more money. And the advice was solid and all the dentists the, the did advice it. The advice is still solid though. Okay. My practice, um, my first practice was a scratch startup, three chairs. And you're going to hate when I say this, I worked three and a half to four days a week. I know I was not maximizing my physical plant. Um, I sold it when it was collecting 1.45 million, three chairs. Now my other practice is a PPO practice with seven chairs. And it produces one, uh, I'm collecting, both practices, collecting 1.45. The other one collects 1.45 as well. But it's PPO practice. It's got seven chairs. And that tells you something right there. You can still produce out of three chairs. And you can produce well. You have to become very efficient. And you have to be very intentional. And you have to make sure you systemize everything that you do. You know? So, so when... You know, lecturing in 50 countries, you know, dentistry, the rate, the, the marathon of dentistry, they're all at different parts of the of the marathon in the 220 some um, countries around the world. But I noticed like in Singapore and Japan and Hong Kong, where the government subs, I mean, I mean, in Japan, France and London today, the Medicare for dentistry gives you $100 US for a molar root canal. So the dentists in Japan are saying, you know, the dirt's a million dollars a square meter. Um, we have uh, eight dentists sharing yep. three operatories. We, we can't do a root canal. So they don't do, they don't even offer root canals. Stack the they dentists pull on top the of each other, you know? They, they, well, there's 168 hours in a week and that they, that's, that's how they get three dentists, eight dentists and three chairs. But here's what they do. They, they say, well, we, we, I can't do a root canal. Um, so because I'll lose money. So, so they're, everybody's focusing on the two things that aren't the fees not set by Medicaid, Medicare, Delta, which is implants and clear aligners. And so you go to Japan and I, I did podcasts from France. That, that's how I Japan. was able to go fee for service. I concentrated all of my, all of my learning and all of my services and advertising on implants and clear aligners. Yeah. Cause it's the only thing that the government hasn't messed up. Like we yeah. only have dental insurance because Roosevelt put wage freezes on everybody and didn't lift it after the war. So they said, well, if you can't give me more money, give me free. So dental. By the way, by the way, on that dental insurance thing, cause I, I know this one's a favorite topic of yours. And I know that you like, you like, uh, you like, uh, managing your calculator. Whenever dental insurance was first um, released as an indemnity plan with with Delta, not the Longshoreman, but with Delta, you had fifteen hundred dollars worth of coverage, and it was an indemnity plan, which means you got fifteen hundred bucks when you went to the dentist for whatever you wanted. And they didn't bitch, gripe, or moan; they just paid for it. How much is that fifteen hundred dollars worth today? What should a dental insurance pay out to their patient today? Delta started. Delta started in Oregon, Washington, California for the Longshoremen's, and they started a thousand dollar max, mm -hmm. and that thousand dollars adjusted for inflation would be over six thousand today. Yep. And, um, and in, and in and, dental inflated dollars, 
There's actually yeah, a calculator. Yeah, well, there's a calculator you can go online and you you can input different industries. Okay, and one of those industries is dentistry. And just for fun, I went and I, I put the you know fifteen hundred or twelve hundred dollars in, um, and it came out to something like thirteen thousand two hundred ninety dollars. Doesn't surprise me because the price of dentistry has gone up more than the price of other industries. Email me that. I'm Howard at dentaltown.com. I'd love to will. play around. Oh, you'll, just you'll, email. I, I, that's why I mentioned it. Cause I know you love your little calculators and spreadsheets. So, so let me go back to the kids for the exact plan. Let, let me tell you exactly what I would do now. If I was coming out of school, number one, okay. if you set up an operatory, if you, if you set up a dental office, um, just, you know, n- number one, you have to cross the chasm. You have to work for yourself. When you look at the stats, it's obvious that the average doctor working for a DSO is making about 145 and the average doc dentist that owns their own practice making a hundred grand or more. So you should look at that macro numbers. So that if you're going to hire associates, you could expect for the average that you could make about a hundred thousand dollars a year off an associate. So mm-hmm. if you're an associate dentist, my, my joke is, uh, uh, you said this is uncensored, right? I can say whatever yes, I want. Yes, absolutely. Um, the, the, the older dentist says, um, senior dentist says, um, I own 65% of this office, so I'm the president and CEO. And the ju- junior dentist says, well, I, I bought in. I own 35%, so I'm the vice president, secretary, and treasurer. And the associate hadn't bought in. He says, well, I don't know anything. What am I? And he says, well, you're in charge of sex and music, so if I fucking ever want your opinion, I'll whistle. And uh, so... The, and that, uh, that, that, sorry, the F word was over the top. I should have just said a uh, uh, whistle. But the, the the bottom the bottom line is, um, um, you need to cross that chasm and work for yourself, and to take that risk after graduation, um, when you don't have wives, kids, you're you're young, you can work seven days a week, you can do all stuff. But if you just open up your own office and you had no employees. You had a self, you had a cell phone. You gave people your own cell phone number and open up an operatory and didn't participate in any insurance. You could, you could use Stripe. The ground. Hell, there's actually, yeah. you could use a lot of the new cloud based, um, cloud based PMSs could be run off of a cell phone. CareStack can be run off of, uh, off of a cell phone. You can stick a uh, Stripe in there and swipe credit cards all day long. Now, printing, you might have to get a printer that's iPhone enabled to do all that, but, um, the thing and, and that's then, keeping them from you, doing this is laziness, though, Howard. They don't want to answer their fear. own phone calls. Fear, too. You're right. But they, they don't want to call patients back after treatment. They don't want to talk to patients at all. They, I think, honestly, a lot of them are socially stunted. You know, this conversation you and, got, you and I are having, some back and forth here, and there's some things you and I don't agree on, but it's never been an issue, has it? Because we just chat and we, we say, oh, well, Coward, you're full of shit on that. I think such and such. But that's okay because by challenging each other, we both grow. That's not how these kids are today. They, they, they don't social well. They don't interact well with each other. And that's Again, what's keeping them able to do this. It's back to that U.S. News and World Report. They don't want to accept a kid that didn't get straight A's in math, physics, chemistry, biology, and nail the the DAT. It's all that USA Today stuff. Um, If you were in college and you were well-rounded and you had a girlfriend and you were in a sorority or fraternity and and you made mostly A's and B's and a couple C's, well, you'd never get accepted to medical school, dental school, or law school. I mean, mean, you look at the law schools and the medical schools in Arizona, they could fill the class four times 
with 4.0s or better. So you get that geek who lived in the library for five years and can't talk to anybody. Um, again, they should be getting them from the Indian reservations, the rurals, the underserved, the underprivileged. Uh, they should stop. Um, you know, th this this FDA process is so good that you should sit in the corner, shut up and die of cancer while while the government's deciding how many people and, and not to mention it takes five years and makes a drug 100 times more expensive. And then when it's 100 times more expensive, Bernie Sanders can say, well, the drug prices are so high that we, we need to make them for you free. It's like, no, you made the drug prices high. I'll show you the people who died waiting in line to get the drug. And you're sitting there um, testing this on rhesus monkeys. When I have a lady right here who's actually a homo sapien who's 60 years old with the damn disease in her brain, well, and, and, and you're going to spend five years that, though, on rats. Is that we have such a litigious society that, you know, we demand these protections ourselves. I mean, I see so many times when I'm looking online and, you know, you, you're you're obviously a very freedom-minded person. By the way, hold on one second. I'm going to see if we can we can do this the right way. Because uh, the last time you saw me... Damn, you're making me... Oh, my yeah, God. Right. You just ruined so my now, day. I went from being bald <laughs> to, like, incredibly bald. Oh, so, my god! So gosh. now we're, we're on both ends of the spectrum here, right, guys? Um, it's, it's bad. I see dentists. They're sitting here and they're complaining about someone. And they say, well, someone should do something about this. The government should step in. There should be a regulation. And I'm sitting here and I'm cringing on the inside because I'm like, you guys are destroying our whole country. And then you're complaining about the effects of the things you're asking for. It's like all these jackasses that moved to Texas from California. They fucked California all up. California is a shit pile. It's a burning ass dumpster. So they leave California to come here to Texas. And now... And this is what's really humorous. Now a whole lot of them are, are saying they're going to go back. They're not leaving. They're saying they're going to go back because Texas now has open carry. And they don't support that kind of shit. The government should make a law. <laughs> you know? It's, yeah, yeah, because it's the government wants to be the only one with a gun. They don't want you to have a gun. I mean, God Absolutely. forbid the Germans wanted everybody in the Jewish ghetto to have a 9 millimeter. But when, when they're leaving California and they're driving down I-10, I'm standing on the road saying, keep driving, keep driving. You got to go all the way to Tucson and then go into El Paso. Go go you know, straight from California. You know, I think they should make I-10 a bridge off the ground from California all the way to Texas. Well, it would, it would look so just like, it would, it would look just <laughs> like, um, just like my, my home state. Um, you know, I was born in Lafayette, Louisiana, and we have the Atchafalaya Basin Bridge. I don't know if you've ever uh, driven on that bridge or not. I um, have with Jerome it, Smith, Carl Bro. Yeah, I believe that is friends down there. You know Jerome too. Oh my God, I love Jerome. He's wife, Jerome Wayne. practices in my hometown, Lafayette, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, That's, and his cousin, what a small world. His cousin went it went with him. His cousin's like one of the best implantologists in the world. Is that Danny? And, um, Danny. And, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't Danny know Danny is, was. Uh, I didn't know Danny was his cousin. I, I thought. I thought. Um, I think it's his, his nephew. I think it's Jerome's. Yeah, yeah, cousin, nephew. nephew yeah, some, yeah. Danny's, like Danny's yeah. Amazing, in the family man. tree. Oh my Absolutely. God. Um, gosh. Um, and, uh, yeah, just unbelievable. But, you know, let, let me, let me tell you something really, um, that really pisses off, uh, Texans when I tell them this, but you know, you know, how some people say that the Alamo, they stole 
Texas. They didn't. Uh, they weren't defending the Alamo. They they went down there. They were imperialist people. And they stole mm-hmm. Texas. Well, you know, if you look at the deal, like right now, the United States uh, says they own Antarctica and the Moon, uh, but they they don't control that. So history always repeats itself. So way back during the day, um, there was hardly uh, Mexico. Um, Mexico City wasn't providing mail and roads and bridges and services, and, and they weren't doing it. In fact, you look at the U.S. border where they were trying to build a wall. 60,000 Mexicans are getting killed in that drug cartel because the, the government of Mexico isn't doing anything in Baja and 100 miles south of the border. They shouldn't be building a wall on the border. They should do what they did 100 years ago and extend that border down to the area that doesn't have government, now, doesn't have safety, Howard, doesn't have Howard, you are a student because- of history, and I know you are. So I'm just going to bring up one little name. Pancho Villa, my friend. Yep. We done tried that shit. That did not go over well. Yeah. But but it shows you that history repeats itself because oh, no, it was the same thing. It was the same thing um, 200 years ago or 100 years ago where, um, you know, you said this is Mexico, but there was no law and order. There was no government services. It was it was just it was just on a map. Well, and right very, now we very nearly did that during Panama. We, we took it away and then we said, OK, you guys can have all it back. You know, you know, I used to go. I used to go to Cabo every year with the Dennis and um, Craig Steich and Albuquerque and Mexico, and um, we'd fish down there. And we we stopped going down there when we realized, man, there's no more government here. The police mm-hmm. pulled us over and robbed us. And we thought, and then I went back and I told the, the manager where we always go. And he started crying because he said, it, it, it's over. All my best Absolutely. customers aren't coming well, back. The, the thing is, you know, you he, said someone, he said, if someone's driving a police car here, it's some drug dealer guy that shot the cops, took the car, there and they just drive around in a police car. So there's no law and order. Earlier, we were talking about um, opening borders. And uh, boy, I tell you what, I, I know I'm getting, I know I'm getting some complaints on this podcast, but this is, this has been a lot of fun. So we're talking about <laughs> opening borders and we're talking about letting, letting more people immigrate. Part of the problem is the processes that we have are not well thought out and they depend upon the sovereign company, a country of Mexico. Maybe I should, maybe a company was a Freudian slip, the sovereign country of Mexico to allow people to go through the process. But in order to go through the process in Mexico, you have to have enough money to bribe the officials for them to allow you to immigrate le- legally. So how do we fix that problem? How do we fix the problem with third world? Well, countries? again, again, I, I've lectured in Russia. I've lectured in China, uh, Cambodia. I mean, Cambodia was a scary thing because it was in our lifetime. A new government got in the Khmer Rouge and they had like 9 million people and the government killed 3 million of them. I mean, I just, I just, again, I just, every country I go to, the number one cause that dentists tell me of all their problems are their own government and the government when you start looking at their problems you're like oh don't look at us look at this other country let's go to war with that country let me distract you so but how are you look at mexico and and, and by your own words there's no government there right and so what you have instead is armed bands of thugs so what you need now is a warlord to come over and organize everyone right well, I think the itself only much, thing, you know, I think I think the only the only obvious thing the government should do. I mean, it's the individual versus macro. I mean, it's just it's just scale. It's just geometry. I mean, obviously, um, if there's a hundred guys, 
the hundred people can do something that one guy can't. I mean, it's just simple leverage. And I think the government should just be in charge of safety. I mean, police internally, uh, military externally, just keep everyone from killing each other what, what and then about, get out of their way if they well, want. Hold on. What about food and drug safety? I, I think you're, you're a consumer. If, if you want to go to your next, I, okay, I witnessed this this weekend. Okay. Here's this weekend. I'm a dentist. I know all this stuff. And then we go, and I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want this to get back to my mom or my sisters. And um, the doctor, the doctor is saying this, and I'm saying this, but change diet and exercise. And then one is saying ginseng and honey and a squirt of lemon. And guess guess which one my my mom went with? Well, ginseng and honey yeah. is way easier. <laughs> so. So people are batshit crazy. They are. And as long as they're not hurting anyone and they're not – if you want to go to the store and cure your male pattern baldness with ginseng, do for it. But, but if the guy's selling the hey, ginseng – it worked for me. Yeah. And <laughs> if, if, if the guy selling the ginseng is lying and it's not ginseng and it's really pigeon shit, then shoot him. You know? I mean just – I don't care what you do. Just don't tell me this is an iPhone if it's an Android. Don't oh, tell goodness. me it's ginseng if it's pigeon shit. Just what, what if was... everybody would just quit lying, cheating, and stealing and enforce that. You only need ten rules. Quit lying, quit cheating, quit stealing. You know, and then and then let the people do what they want. But if your idea is so good that if I don't wear a mask, you're going to kidnap me and put me in jail. Well, I, I don't think that's a very good idea. Um, you know, if your Howard, idea is so good, quote, you have to quote, shoot I think, me. Um, I think there's a quote you would you'd really love. Um, it's always been one of my favorites. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the guy's name was. I believe his last name was Howard, the guy who wrote the Conan, Conan the Barbarian books. You remember way back then? Yeah. His last name was Howard, wasn't it? Something Howard. He, he I, I don't in Texas. remember, but I, I remember Conan the Barbarian. Right. So the quote was something to the effect of... Um, Seek ye not to find civilized men in civilized land, for only in the land of the barbarian is a man afraid to get his skull crushed in, thus he acts in civil ways. Nice. Oh, you know who we have to do the podcast? Um, you know where we're for you know Tim Rainey? Tim Rainey. No, make 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 an introduction for me. Yeah, Tim Rainey's about I'm 59 next week. I think he's about 10 years old. He's probably uh 69. Uh email me and I'll email back. Uh and by the way, shout out to um this is why I love dentistry so much. My my oldest boy moves out to Beeville mm-hmm. and he has a dental problem or whatever. So I call up my dentist buddy from Rio Not only is he their family dentist, not only does he, when, when my boy's out of town and, and the electricity goes out, not only does he drive over there and fix it, not only do my grandkids uh, shot their first shotgun in 22 and their first rabbit on, I mean, it's just, it's like family. My sister's daughter was in Ireland and they left all their, they, they lost their purse and wallets and money. I get on dental town. I go under the international form to Ireland and say, help, my niece is stranded. A dentist, it's like it's like midnight over there, drives over there, picks up her and her three college friends, 
bites him in the house, restores all their money out of his deal. They stay there. I mean, I mean, dentists are just, they're just the coolest damn people in the world. But this Tim Rainey is like an ex, an expert on the history of Texas, the Alamo, whatever to get the three. I I want to bring him to your studio. Just listen to you two talk about Texas and the Alamo and the future. Oh, but, but can I finish my advice to the young? Yeah, please do. Please do. Number two is, um, the DSOs, I know, if you own 100 dental offices, you're probably in my iPhone and I'd probably podcast you. They're not going rural because when you come out of dental school, you're not married. And the number one goal of a species is to find another primate to mix gametes with and incubate a replacement. And you're not, you, you want to be in Dallas and Houston and Phoenix. You don't want to be in Refugio, Texas and only have a thousand girls to pick from. And so none of them are going into rural anymore because right now, today, 10% of all the DSOs in the rural don't even have a doc in the box. So, so if every time you come out of dental school, you get two hours away from where a Southwest Airlines plane takes off and you're going to find a city of a thousand to three thousand. Now, remember, we're an hour away from driverless cars. Google tested them right here in Arizona for five years. So, so in the future, you're going to wake up, you're going to go crawl in a box, and you're going to you're going to tell it where to go. And you're going to go back to bed, and two hours later, you're going to wake up, and you're going to be two hours out of town, and you're going to go into a town, and and then when you go to that town. You go to the mayor, and at the corner of First Street and Main, there's seven buildings that have been vacant for a decade. And you say, I need a building, and they give you a building. And then you go to the bank in the town, and he says, oh, you're going to practice here. You're going to set up a dental office here. They give you a signature loan. Um, a $10 an hour job is considered bank. Um, Walmart, if you want to drive an hour into town, that's the big job at $15 an hour. Every one of those guys... We'll do a million the first year. They'll have about 40% overhead. And I can give you the list of 10 names that walked out of dental school, $400,000 of student loans, and then, and then found a place where they're the only dentist in the county. And the first year they did a million and netted 500 of it. You go to Iowa, they have a list of 20 cities that if you go there, the government state board of dental examiners will kick in a hundred grand. Delta Dental of Iowa will kick in a hundred grand, and then you go there, and you don't, and you don't even have to take Medicaid, Delta, or anything like that because you're the only guy in town. So, so what you don't do? Let's talk about what you don't do. You don't sit there and say, "Well, I'm going to take Delta and do composites and use a rubber dam and go into the suburbs where." Every dentist and their dog has one business model. It's like every dentist wants to be Ruth Chris. No one wants to be McDonald's and nobody wants to go out of town. And my gosh, I mean, I mean, half of America is underserved. Um, There's um, uh, what what is it? There's uh, 28,000 towns in America and 12,000 don't have one specialty recognized by the American Dental Association. And you're and when they come here, they all want to go to Scottsdale. I mean, you know, I mean, it might be a, a better idea a reason, just to start doing drugs <laughs> than they go to Scottsdale. Or dealing, dealing drugs, dealing drugs. You know, that would work too. So, you know, yeah. so, so far today we have, um, we've, we've gotten advice to deal drugs or do drugs, um, practice naked <laughs> like, doc, like Mr. Honda did. Um, <laughs> been a great podcast. We even dropped the F-bomb. Sorry we, about that. Once that, or, was that no, was no, that always, over, always. Was that over that's, the top? No, that's, okay. that's, that's not over the top at all. You, you obviously haven't listened to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, we've gotten some great advice. Guys, look, there's a reason why I was able to do what I was able to do. Alvin, Texas is a small town. It's getting bigger, but it was a small town when I came here. And I started off with 27 different insurance plans. And I slowly whittled them away. And I'm actually going to do a CE pretty soon here on how to get out of network and stay out of network. But you notice I, I own both a high-end specialty geared practice and yeah, it's not that small anymore. I know I, I can see you looking at the demographics right now. It was 47,000 when I got here. So the other practice I own is a PPO practice, you know, Ruth, Chris and McDonald's. That is um, market segmentation. I was just trying to find, um, you said you're in a small town. What is the population been, of your town? When I got here, it was 47,000, but it's grown enormously since I got here. Pearland is the next town between us and Houston, and it was the fastest growing city for three years straight um, whenever I was getting out in 2012, 2013, 2014. And since then, Alvin has started accelerating its growth just insanely. Um, it's amazing. I want to I wanna tell you about that post I did, um, uh, that post where the Missouri State Dental Board is trying to you know, close down uh, one of my UMKC buddies' uh, office, his name is uh, Michael J. Sawyer, DDS. And here, here, here's your good government. He's the only dentist in the town, and someone made a complaint, and they almost tried to take his license away. And he's like, he's the only dentist in town, and one little, you know, woke woman who didn't like something, and and the board's like. I think we need to shut you down. It's like, oh, oh, and and then why? So we crawl all the way to Bernie and AOC and say, well, we don't have a dentist in our town. No, no, the government took them away. Did, you know, I mean. Did you know, and hopefully I don't get in any trouble for this, you know, with my board, but did you know that the dental boards have actually formed an association um, and all the dental boards in the United States are members and they share expert witnesses to prosecute dentists? That was a little eye-opening to me. I've always considered the board to be the dentist's friend, a mediator between us and the public who was intelligent, knowledgeable, and invested in making sure that dentistry stays the, the noble profession that it is. But more and more, I'm beginning to worry about their their true purposes. And in and, and, and these things that I'm hearing, it, it really, it, it's eye-opening. Um, and a little frightening, frankly. Yeah, well, the only, you know, the with uh, America, you know, it started out as truth, liberty, justice, the American way. Now it's money's the answer. What's the question? And the government has always been a mob racket. They only have one goal, and that is to, you know, you cross that bridge, uh, give us a coin. Everything comes back down to money. Oh, you got a drug that cures cancer? Well, come give the FDA millions and millions and millions of dollars, and we'll slow it down in five years, which is all fine. I would like all that verified if I had like three drugs to pick from. But if I have nothing to pick from and they say, go home and die, it's like, well, you know what? I'll try it on me. And now that government official says, no. <laughs> no, you don't have any freedoms. Yeah, it, it, and it used to be, honestly, that there were voluntary trial programs where people could say, hey, look, I want to try this out. Um, what do I have to do? Look at Dr. Salk. When he got the polio vaccine, the first person they ever tested on was him. 
And then when he it worked on him, it was all of his grad students in his lab. Today he would be in jail, and so would all of his grad yeah, students for, be in jail. And let me and let me and let me say something. Of, and, and and let me and let me just say something. That the the grossest thing I've seen during this pandemic is when that pandemic broke out last March, and all the old fatter guys like me who were like, "Oh my God, I'm 58, and I'm fat, and I I'm old. I, I better I better take this serious." My four boys are like laughing, but I was real serious. And when all those people that stayed outside and kept the country running and delivering your food and, and running the grocery stores and doing everything that all the old chicken shits like me were hiding in the basement and didn't want to get killed, now those workers are told, oh, the government says, we got to jab this in your arm or we're going to fire you and you lose your job. It's like, what? Those are the people that kept the whole country running, and now they're firing them right and left because they weren't afraid of it in the first place. And then you say, well, is the drug FDA approved? No. Um, is, um, you know, well, my, my kid, what, what if you do this and it messes up her reproduction? Or can't we just really slow down and test this on kids? Like, no, no. You're going to, you know, it's like, God, I mean, the whole world is mad. And again, it's never the problem it's always the government solution that's five times worse than the problem i'd rather sit on my ranch and deal with this problem without the cdc and and, and then if you say anything like like look what snowden you, you look what snowden walked away with and the answer would be like well you know okay i uh, i um Oliver Stone. I mean, I mean, listen to Oliver Stone. You go back to the JFK assassination. If you talk about that, you're a conspiracy guy. But you would just say, well, you know, it, that was 60 freaking years ago. Why don't you put all those FBI, CIA files on Wikipedia so we could just look at it? Oh, no, no, no. You can't look at it. But if you talk about it. You're a crazy conspiracy guy. It's like it's called transparency. It's yeah. called checks and balances. Well, if the, the government is, the put everything people, in the open, but the American people have gotten the, to the point that, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, this started with McCarthy, and, and you know that. I mean, you're a student of history. Like I said, the American people have been backed into a corner where they they truly feel as if they need Big Brother watching over them. And if Big Brother has to have his secrets so that he can operate correctly and keep us safe, and, and what, did, what did Franklin say about that? Oh, come on, you're say? supposed to jump in with, this, with the quote, Howard. Those who will sacrifice liberty for oh, safety will lose neither. both and deserve neither. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another, yeah. Another great quote. I, I never realized that politically we were, we were very, very close here. There's another quote you know, I, I got to give you. Snowden is living in exile for showing us all those evil things from our own government. And the answer just be like, you know, and I, I can I could see drawing a line. I could say, OK, let's just go back half a century. Can we just open up every file from 50 years ago back? And the answer is still hell no. Right. And, and you trust that. And then when these people don't trust the, and look, look at the mask mandate. When when it first came out, it was like, oh, you you Chris, I can't believe you selfish bastard buying masks. Those don't wear masks, save them for the doctor. And then and then 
ninety days. But people, later. people forget Chris, that they if you don't wear that, a mask, we're that, gonna uh, kidnap you, you know? and put you in a cage. It's just like make everything transparent, make everything checks and balance, and healthcare is completely broken because every good dentist in India and Mexico can't come here and practice uh, because the government I, regulates I think, everything. I think that Indian reservation idea may have some merit there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think you need to get we working on that, Howard. We, we should do it because if, if you if I got all those dentists in Muller City to come up in Scottsdale, Arizona, I'll give you my other business idea. This because right now I'm I'm done. I'm it's grandchildren. My last five years going to be I, I'm 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 going to make it in five years. My grandchildren want me to die. They're like we're so tired of grandpa. Get them out of here. But um, the the bottom line is it's always going to come down to just transparency and checks and balances. And um, the Indian reservation would be a great deal. But you know what's another great deal? Have you ever done the math on this? You know, like Uber. Uber was pretty neat because um, um but basically there's a there's a hundred and fifty thousand general dentists who work uh, 32 hours a week or more. Thirty thousand general uh, specialists work 32 hours a week or more. But anyway, there's like two hundred and ten thousand dental offices in america and they're all used about 32 hours a week out of 168 so so 81 percent of all the dental office capacity is not used and if you started an uber dental where a dentist can come out of school and your dental office is online and someone calls me on facebook or twitter and says hey i broke my tooth and they're like yeah i'll be at chris um huff pear's office and i'll be there in 20 minutes and he goes in there's like uber we don't need to build one new dental office for at least one full generation of 20 years because 80% of the capacity is is idle. I don't know why these kids come out of school with $400,000 in debt and really you need to build a dental how, office when 80% of all the dental offices So are this not is actually I'll tell you what. And I'd love I'd love help on this if you if you think this is a good idea. So here in Texas I've been at the forefront of um helping to change the laws so far as insurance companies go and things like that uh, to make things much more um, approachable for dentists and for the insurance companies themselves, but mainly for the patients. So simplifications of language on websites, requirements of having certain benefits on websites, uh, a portal to act activate all this stuff, right? And so nationally, um, they're looking at pushing that out and they're going state by state and they're trying to pass that same law in every other state. So what if we were to create a new government agency, since the government likes to screw everything up anyway, right? Or even a state agency. And what we do is we exempt students from their student debt if and only if they will sign a 10-year contract with us. We go to a small town in the United States where there's no dentist anywhere around. We build a dental office and we build a four-op office with all of the physical plant on one side of the office so that it can be accessed through a physical wall on the outside if we ever expand and we can double our capacity, okay? So we can go from a four op starting out to an eight op easily. And we just use that same exact dental plan for every single office so we only have to buy the same equipment for everyone. If you have a pump that breaks, we've got that same pump. You get these kids in there and you make it a Medicaid, Medicare practice you require them to take it and you pay them a stipend. If their profits in the office go above that stipend, then you pay them for that. But otherwise they make a healthy living and they don't have any student debt, but they cannot leave for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, you have taught them thoroughly through CE, 
that they're required to take, how to do other procedures and things like that. You've kept them up to date with current procedures and you've also taught them how to accept insurances, okay? And how to do everything legally and correctly. At the end of 10 years, you take the keys and you put them into their hands and you say, this town is yours now. If you want to bring in an associate, here is how we can handle that through our program here. And then you do the same thing with that associate. And you take that practice and you double it then. So now you got 16 ops possible, right? If you do that and use the same materials, the same physical plant, the same exact layout for every single office, you have the same training materials for every single office, you have the same CE requirements, same classes for every single office, you've got this huge vast amount of resources that can be poured into solving the problem that we have, problem of access to care. There's no access to care, there's a care to access problem People don't want to go to the dentist or they don't avail themselves of the resources that are there. But this could put light on that and this could completely wipe out the concentration of dental students in the more populated areas rather than allowing us to completely cover the country with dental care. And we'd have people who accepted Medicaid and Medicare. So what do you think there's about only one, There's only one. I love everything about your idea except just one thing. Tell me the, tell you know me where the they're thing. gonna you know where they're gonna go? Where it's the highest chance that they find a lover and a mate and a primate to That's make true. scamites with for life. So if, if you if you put my buddy in the middle of Antarctica and he gets there and he finds out there's nobody to mate with, it's dead in the water. It's really, really, really you can, I mean you they can, tell me you can open up a side business though, Howard. You know, Uber Uber for lonely dentists. I asked these young guys, said, why would you go to Scottsdale? The, the, it's the, 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 the lowest density of people, the most number of dentists. Why do you go there? And, they, and every answer I get, have you seen the girls in Scottsdale? Saying, oh, buddy. It's, um, and, and who goes to these areas? It's always the Mormon guy who graduated from school. He's already married. He already had one kid walk in, one in the oven. He's got that wrapped up. So then when Iowa says, Here's 11 counties that don't even have a dentist. He's like, hell, I already got my traveling bar and wild woman and kids and fun. He's got the whole rock and roll band in a van. He don't need to be in Scottsdale. Interesting, interesting point there. Since uh, you know we brought up earlier sovereign nations within the United States, Utah um, is the only country that was within the continental United States that was actually invaded by the United States and taken over. Did you know that, Howard? I did not know that. Look that one up. Utah was actually attacked by the United States government, and basically they were surrounded and told very politely that they needed to surrender and become part of the United States and become a state. So, you know what I love? The Utah boys, man, they're wild. Some of my best. Yeah, you know, all my four. <laughs> yeah, all my four boys figured out in school that the, they said, "Dad, with the Mormons, they're all big families. They're all going to be Eagle Scouts. It's all family first. But they could walk into any of their Mormon friends without notice and have dinner yeah. and sleep. I mean, and, and when people sit there and say that, you know, um, well, some people are living on land that's not fertile. Utah was the worst land in America uh, with a brine yep. Salt Lake deal, and they built Salt Lake City. That's why I love the Japanese. They don't have oil." copper gas they got nothing except the fourth largest economy in the world nothing except right yeah no, yeah and utah what they did 
with throwaway land in a brine Salt Lake Sea. Absolutely. That I, I, I think they went there because they knew no one else could survive there, and it's just a thriving metropolis. And love my Mormon buddies because my God, it's always family first, everything else second. My gosh! In fact, one time I gotta tell you this. I gotta tell you this one time. We were we were hiking a South Mountain, and we come out, and this lady comes out of the mountain, and she's crying, and she looks like she's ready to die, and they ran out of water, and she was all scared because her thirteen year old was way back. There was a Mormon picnic, whatever. There must have been thirty people. Everybody grabbed every person in that grabbed a bottle of water and ran off into the desert they had that kid found and back at the table eating with them in probably less than 10 That's minutes amazing okay real quick the utah war 1857 to 1858 also known as the utah expedition the utah campaign uh, campaign buchanan's blunder the mormon war and the mormon rebellion was an armed confrontation between mormon settlers in the in the utah territory and the armed forces of the u.s government the confrontation lasted from may 1857 to july 1858 there were some casualties most of which were non-mormon civilians the war had no notable military battles <laughs> but yeah they they had formed can you their own email nation. me that can you email me it's that on too? your phone i sent you to it i sent, sent it to you already oh, oh you sent on my phone <laughs> and I'll, oh, I'll send you that demo calculator too. You'll you'll love it. Oh man, great man. Uh, uh, well, but I, yeah, and then, we'll have to do this again. And, me, you know, keep you from getting bored. I'm, in, I'm inviting uh, myself and Tim Rainey. That it doesn't have to be this like October. It doesn't have to be October 15th, October. I'm going to be there in two weeks in October. If that doesn't okay. fit, it'll be Christmas, or I'm there all the time. But worst case scenario, if you're here in October. Um, let's meet up and uh, I, I don't know if you drink or not. We can grab a beer or a scotch or something. Um, I'm Irish. Well, you know, I, I know a lot that of Irish men who don't drink means, on purpose for reasons. That, that 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 means I will drink you out of the table and so go. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, though, as I turn 59 next week um, in the evening. Here's my problem with drinking now. If I go to a restaurant and Mexican food and have a margarita and then go to a movie, I might as well bring a sleeping bag and a right. cot. I was going to say, postprandial oh drowsiness right there. <laughs> yeah, so the only reason the only reason I avoid drinking is because um, a, 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 after dinner, I need a coffee or a tea if I'm going to stay up to the movie. And Absolutely. and the weirdest thing, the weirdest thing is um, if I eat a big meal, I mean, it, it's better than IV. I just go get in my chair, lean back, and I'm out for 30 minutes. I tell my doctor, I said, like, am I – a diabetic or do I have a, and he says, you know, Howard, the food coma thing. He goes, I got 20 year olds telling me the same problem. They, yep. they go to high school, they eat lunch and then they can't stay awake. So yep. I'm one of those people where every time I eat, um, but, um, I got a drink on an empty stomach and I can't stay awake for the movie later, but you can, uh, you can, uh, we can have beers till it's bedtime. That sounds like a, that sounds like a plan. You know, have you ever heard the old one about you ask an Irishman a question when you get back? If you ask an Irishman a question when you get back, there's no joke. It says, "Is it true that uh, whenever you ask an Irishman a question, they always answer you with another question?" Now, who told you that? <laughs> My favorite Irish joke of all time is the uh, the Italians were all anthropologists were uh, excavating Rome, and they went down several thousand years. They found Roman uh, they they found copper wires, and they said they invented copper wires and communication all that. So the Irish. They started digging under Belfast, and they didn't find anything. So I said, wow, we invented wireless. 
<laughs> I love it. Well, my friend, all the world is queer save you and me, and I have my reservations upon thee. Um, it was great to sit here and chat, and um, we, we've got to do this again. I, I tell you, I have a, an idea for another podcast that I think you would be absolutely perfect at, and I think you would enjoy the hell out of it. But until then, Howard, thank you for giving us some of your time. I really, really appreciate it. And as always, it was it was really great getting to catch up. Well, I had fun, and I have to go back to babysitting my granddaughter, who's home from school, sick. <laughs> and so I got to go back and watch Frozen for the 18th million times. So oh, you no saved kidding. my day. I You saved my day. And anytime you want to come back, and um, I really would like to drive up there and I see uh, when I'm visiting the grandkids, that'd be fun. And you got to meet Tim Rainey. And his son, Tim Rainey Jr. I mean, they know more Texas. They're going to be like you. They know Texas history to the beginning of time. And I've never sat down with you or Tim Rainey and didn't learn a whole bunch of stuff. So we'll have to do that. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the Deer Doc podcast. And, you know, you've wasted another, heck, almost two hours of your time at this point. We're going to go long (laughs) format on this one. Listening to the sound of my voice. I hope that you've picked up something in this conversation that you found to be helpful for you and your practice or maybe your life. As always, thank you. This is Doc signing off. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms. Hey folks, before I let you go, I just wanted to make sure I thank United Medical Credit for sponsoring this cat podcast and also the business of dentistry. Go check out their website at www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD to get a special deal. 